Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hi, my name is Allison Bobbitt, and I'm here as always with my husband, Mike Bobbitt. And this is the podcast where we make one another watch movies the other's never seen before. And Mike, you made me watch Working Girl. You made me watch. Why'd you make me watch this? You made me watch something that is. Working Girl, starring Melanie Griffith, star of Cherry 2000. Yes. What did you think? Well, <laughs> um, I can see how it was maybe at the time a female empowerment movie. Uh-huh. Um, but it's very much a women can't trust other women in the workplace. And thank God there was an old white man savior at the end. I have so many questions because I had a feeling this was going to be your take on it, mm-hmm. on account of the fact that I watched the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of the versions of this had the Catherine role, played by Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. as a male boss. Do you think that would have changed things enough? I mean, kind of. I, I just, I hate, I, I appreciate a movie where they don't put women against each other. So this was, she's like the only, Sigourney Weaver is the only female executive, and she's a total asshole. She steals Melanie Griffith's idea. She's completely delusional about her relationship. She's just a total ass. Like, she's just a total ass. Yeah. The quick recap is secretary, played by Melanie Griffith, named Tess McGill, Mm -hmm. uh, ends up going through many male bosses, three of them. And they all just kind of harass her, and she ends up leaving her jobs, not by her own choice. Yeah. uh, So she ends up finally with the fourth boss, which is Catherine Parker, played by Sigourney Weaver, who she covers for – well, Catherine is going on a vacation where she's expecting her boyfriend to propose to her while she's there. It's a ski trip. She breaks her leg. She's – Uh, stuck up in the hospital for longer than expected. So Tess McGill kind of steps up and tries to bring this deal that she came up with that it looks like Catherine Parker was stealing the credit for moving it forward for their company, which is merging, uh, which is having this other company buy radio stations. Yeah. And then at the end of it, you find out that Sigourney Weaver um her significant other was Harrison Ford who is the love interest in the movie you know chaos ensues and it's found out that Melanie Griffith was faking her status and everything and then at the end of the day everything works out fine 
I also didn't love that Joan Cusack was, like, mad at her for not wanting to get back together with her boyfriend who cheated on her. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree with that, too. I was like, what? Why? The original cut of this was about a half hour longer. Uh, mm-hmm. This was directed by Mike Nichols, uh, famous comedy uh, duo, Nichols and May with Elaine May. Mm-hmm. And the extra half hour wasn't extra scenes. It was just lingering on these scenes long enough. And they were saying that it just made the movie feel really weird and uncomfortable and not funny if you had too long to think about them, what was going on in the scenes. Yeah. And I feel like the Mike Nichols cut then is how the movie plays to an audience nowadays, mm-hmm. 39 years later. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we don't actually need the extra few seconds in a scene to go, hey, wait a second, Harrison Ford's just the good guy because he hasn't done coke when he's trying to sexually harass Melanie Griffith? Yeah. Here's my other question for you. What is the more female-empowering movie? Working Girl or Weird Science? Honestly, I think Weird Science because it doesn't pit a bunch of women against each other. Yeah. You know, it's about teaching men to respect women and like... Not pitting them against one another. Do you think a day would ever come where you would come to the realization that Weird Science is a more pro-feminist movie than Working Girl (laughs) that was considered enough of a feminist movie that it was nominated for an Academy Award? Yeah. It's pretty surprising. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody was really good in it. Uh, Melanie Griffith is great in it. She's really good at looking silently defeated i think that's probably all the uh the drugs she was on at the time and the fact that don johnson well she and don johnson were a couple during this time when they were on hiatus Mm -hmm. so she kept trying to bang alec baldwin and all of this is not gossip this is like her admitting oh damn and alec baldwin was taking her out partying getting coked up getting drunk to the point that they find her $80,000 for showing up in a condition unable to work. Damn. And then she checked into rehab like immediately after this movie. Oh, really? And got together with uh, Don Johnson again. And and fired her agent who fought hard and uh, to get her this role Mm -hmm. because she wasn't really established. Like, this is a year after Cherry 2000. Yeah. And that movie is terrible. So, yeah, her acting is really good in this. Uh, It's her only Oscar nomination? Yes. It's her only blockbuster. I mean, she's really good in it. I did think we saw her tits a lot. Like, why does she need to be vacuuming with her boobs out? That was her idea, too. Mike Nichols was like, yeah, you're probably just vacuuming in your underwear or something. And she's like, I don't vacuum in my underwear at home. I vacuum naked at home. She's wearing panties and high heels. High heels and like tight, like, um, what are they Lacey called? Lacy stockings. Lacy stockings, you know, like with a garter belt and everything. Okay. Okay. Well, in that case, she vacuums like I do. Hot. <laughs> but yeah, like no bra. She wears a bra like every other, and we do see her in like lingerie a lot. Yeah. Like she well, wears very, <laughs> that was the other thing is I'm like, she's wearing sexy lingerie under literally everything. And Every complaining time. to her boyfriend, uh, Mick Duggan, Dugan, played by Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. uh, like, I wish you'd give me something I could wear out of the apartment. 
apparently you do you wear this do out of the apartment all the time. It's the only underwear you own. Same thing with Sigourney Weaver. Like she's in like sexy lingerie, even in like the hospital. She's mm-hmm. in like a nighty. I'm like, what the hell? Do yeah. they think women? Do- I'm sorry. I've been in the hospital twice for you know to have babies, and I didn't bring anything with me because I don't want to wash that. Do you know how gross you get in the hospital? In all fairness, you were wearing a fishnet cat suit when you did no. get surgery on your wrist. Fair. Fair, 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 fair. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. I, and I understand, like, Sigourney Weaver's character is, like, supposed to be rich or whatever. But what the Like, why? Why are they all so sex? I mean, I get why Melanie Griffith's character is so sexualized. Because that's the, you know, the issue that she's having. Mm. But. Sigourney Weaver's character, she like goes out of her way to say like, "Hey, you're like too done up, you're dressed too sexy, like tone it down." And then she's wearing like sexy lingerie in the hospital. Yeah. What the fuck? And she should be more like you. Like you wear, do you wear <laughs> garter belts to the hospital? No, you save that stuff for the dentist. I do. Yeah. I wear granny panties and the hospital gown they give you. Because that's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. By the way, uh, only because I'm thinking of it now, and uh, maybe I'll cut this out. Probably I won't. Before my vasectomy, Mm -hmm. I have to shave my nuts. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That's going to be itchy. I know. Do you need help? I I don't know. It's hard to get like all up in there. It makes me think Bill Bouchard has a joke where he's like... uh, my wife told me I should shave my thing because it makes it look bigger. I'd never say that to her. You know? <laughs> but he goes, uh, fellas, have you ever tried to shave your nut? Not the best uh, texture to be doing that. The uh, thing has more wrinkles than Barbara Bush. <laughs> what the fuck? So I, I wonder who is his reference now. Oh, I don't know. Probably yeah. Hillary. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. thing has more wrinkles than Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, you know what? You went through a lot to have a couple of babies. It's the least I can do. I appreciate that. Yeah. I will be wearing sexy lingerie during it. They told I'm... me to wear loose-fitting boxer shorts, but since I'm not a boxer guy, no. I'm just going to wear sexy lingerie. Hot. Yes. Hot. Won't they be surprised? Yes. yes. Yes, they will. Kevin Spacey is in this movie for a minute. Yeah, he has a cameo where he plays a... Uh, it and I was reading the oral history, and they were saying surprising uh, that you say that considering the movie he turns on. Yeah, um, they were saying it is not lost on us the role that he plays in light of the accusations against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he plays a guy who sexually harasses someone younger than him. Yes. Uh. Poor Oliver Platt, aka Gordon Widener. <laughs> <laughs> They Oliver do Platt looks so a lot like our friend Gordon. Yes. He is so naive, and I get it, because this oral history was from about, uh, well, it's weird. How long ago was the Kevin Spacey thing? Because I Maybe thought this was on the- ago. Okay. In the last five years. Yeah, because I thought it was for the 30th anniversary of the movie, which would have made it uh, 2008. Oh, Jesus. the movie came out in 1988. Maybe it was a 40-year anniversary, and it was 2018? I don't know. Anyway, he was talking about how 
he also plays a scumbag character and was naive about the fact that uh, he's like, oh, guys don't like exist like this in the real world. And then he was like very shocked to find out that there are a few guys like that out there. And I feel like nowadays, no, mm. most guys are kind of like that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Most guys are gross. Yeah. Like even Harrison Ford is Admittedly. a gross character in this, but you only get away with it because he's Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's so handsome. Uh-huh. So I just looked this up. Working Girl came out in 1988, and the allegations against Kevin Spacey happened in 2017. So it would have been 30. Yeah, so it must have been the... Uh, 30 year anniversary. Oh, okay, yeah, I was off by 10 years. Never mind. I can't do math. It's okay. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Alec Baldwin's hairy chest. Yeah. It's like a carpet. Uh-huh. I mean, it's fine. I, I'm not. I'm not shaming, but I was just like wh- surprised. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like I didn't know how hairy he was. Oh, okay. Like, I feel like I knew he had chest hair, but I was like, wow, that is interesting. An interesting amount of chest hair. So, Alec Baldwin was the first choice for the Harrison Ford role for Jack Trainer. Yeah. And the studio kept getting cold feet when they were like, yeah, I I don't know. We got an audition from Melanie Griffith, and she's really good. Mm -hmm. And, like, the studio was like, like, Tippy Hedren's daughter. like daughter from that psycho fucking roar movie. Didn't mm-hmm. she and her mom need plastic surgery after they got mauled by lions? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, did you get, did you guys see cherry 2000 that came out last year? You want to have her star in a movie? And they were like, yeah. And they're like, well, Alec Baldwin didn't have any big screen roles. Really. Yeah. So, so they they're like, it. well, we're not going to put, two unknowns in here and they're like uh well we got sigourney weaver so we have star power and uh but they needed another yeah one. they were like wouldn't it be cool if we got someone like a harrison ford type for jack trainer mm-hmm. and they're like well let's ask him and harrison ford had never done a rom-com at this point this is like a year after temple of doom and they asked him they're like hey uh you know you're really good at being a, a movie star, you want to try romantic comedies? And he goes, yeah, what the hell? I've yeah. never done that before. I'll give it a <laughs> shot. And, I think uh, it worked out it, fine. It started his career doing romantic comedies. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was, he was good in it. He was very charming. If you overlook the politics of the movie. Yes. Uh, he's, he's pretty decent in it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's doing a great job. You know, um, it, if the movie were remade, there would have to be some sort of like, hey, uh, you know, when I first met you, uh, I wasn't taking no for an answer, even though you told me no repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was wrong of me to sneak a peek. You and and also underwear. not tell you who I was. Yeah. Even though I knew you and I were meeting the next day. Yeah. Everything, like, if you put anyone else in that movie, or you even, like, turned that scene one degree, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, is this a psychological thriller? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bit, um, it's a bit insane. Yeah. The fact that 
he's like, oh, she's supposed to meet with me tomorrow. Okay, well, let me just take you home. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And he does try to take her to her house, but he instead takes her to his apartment, which is fine, but he takes her dress off of her. And before that, is like, hey, you want a nightcap? Like, yeah. she's passed out and he's trying to be like, so do you want to like, what do you want to do? <laughs> she's <coughs> passed. She's unconscious. Right. Yeah. And then he sleeps in the bed with her. Mm-hmm. And she's in her underwear. I'm sorry. Like, I would have been like, okay, you can sleep in my bed. I'm going to sleep on the couch. Or like, she could have slept on the couch and he could have just slept on his room. Like, just something less creepy. Yeah, there could have been minor changes. And it just goes to show you that, you know, and- Again, Mike Nichols directed this. Mike Nichols understands or should understand, should have understood. I wish he would have let Elaine May maybe take a, a pass mm-hmm. at like, you know, hey, well, why don't you take a, a look at this and tell me if you think there's any moments in it that, you know, yeah, are a little stand. cringy. Yeah. Uh, could stand a rewrite. Yeah. I mean, Mike Nichols is, without hyperbole, he's he's kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. It, it just really goes to show you how different things were. Back yeah. Then, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, truly, in a lot of ways, they still are like this. But I think at least people are more aware that it's it's not okay. Yeah. One of the other things that bothered me is that... Uh, Trask, you know, is the one who kind of saves the day at the end instead of her just being like, listen, I have proof that she stole from me. And them just believing her, like, he's the one who has to be like, Sigourney Weaver, tell me how you got the idea. You know, he's the one who kind of saves the day for Tess McGill. That's one of the changes I would have made, too, where it becomes obvious earlier on that Sigourney Weaver had double crossed her and then mm-hmm. there's like the line where she kind of uh says like hey just in case you saw that I know it looks bad and you're for a second you're like oh shit did Melly Griffith really fucked up yeah it would have been neat if they played out that doubt a yeah. little bit more where you're like ooh Sigourney yeah. Weaver not was she bad really guy? yeah was she yeah. really trying to like get her in I want you to really think about this one, too. Mm-hmm. What is the more strong female role, Melanie Griffith in Working Girl or Melanie Griffith in Cherry 2000? Objectively. Honestly, it's hard because in Cherry 2000, she does let herself just get rescued by the guy. But she sort of does that in Working Girl, too. So it's mm, it's close, but I am going to give it to Working Girl. Okay. Because I think she fights for herself a little bit more. I mean, she kind of throws herself like... Yeah, I guess she um, does mentally fight for herself. Yes. And the difference is Cherry 2000, she's just physically fighting for herself. Yes. So, okay, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think, yeah, mentally she's fighting for herself more in Working Girl. But it, uh, the fact that it's that close that I had to really think about it... I know, right? That's aft, man. I know. This is the first Oscar nomination for... Joan Cusack. Really? And, yeah. She got nominated for this one? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. She's only in it for like two seconds. Joan Cusack? Yes. Oh, she's in it quite a bit. Mm. 
I mean, yeah, she's in a lot of scenes, but I feel like I don't really get to know that much about her. No, she definitely just plays the stereotypical supportive friend role. Yeah. Uh, she also got nominated again in 1997 for In and Out. Yes, which is a super fun movie, and I actually really like it. Yeah, me too. How uncomfortable do you think the Cusack Thanksgivings are? <laughs> where, like, the mom is like, so, John, did you hear that Joni got nominated for another one of those Academy Awards? You should try to get one of those sometimes. <laughs> oh, you're, you say you're a serious you actor. You say now. you're a serious actor. What He's- are you doing? The Con Airs? Oh, Johnny, I don't think the Con Airs is going to get nominated for an Academy Award. He did win a BAFTA, uh-huh. which is like the UK, British, yeah. the British Oscar. But it was for Best Adapted Screenplay for High Fidelity, which is in 2000. Mm-hmm. Which is a movie I love, by the way. It's a great movie. She's the older sibling, so I guess maybe, like, he doesn't have that much of a complex about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the dynamics are. John Cusack are. also seems like a guy that has conflicts with everything. I never know if he's... Because I haven't really heard anything about him being, like, a douche. Yeah. But you also don't see him in a ton of stuff, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you don't see him in a ton of stuff these days, so I don't really know. Right. Yeah, that's true. And maybe he's just he's just not really focused on that. He's been doing a lot of, like, political crap. Like, he campaigned for Bernie Sanders and shit, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their dad has an Emmy, too. Oh, really? Yeah. He was a, a writer who did some acting. But, uh, yeah, I thought something he did won an Emmy, but I can't remember what it was. John Cusack? Yeah, their dad, Dick Cusack. Oh, Dick Cusack. Yeah. Hold up. Dad even has an Emmy. Maybe you should do the television. So does Joan Cusack. She has an Emmy. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was also a working girl TV series that lasted less than one season starring oh. Sandra Bullock. Replacing That's... Nancy McKeon from Facts of Life. Oh. As the titular working girl. It lasted eight of the 12 episodes that I were shot. I see. I was like, oh, I'm like, how many episodes were there? Yep. 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 That's very sad. Yeah. That happens, though, you know? I feel like the Clueless TV show maybe was pulled before the first season. Yeah, that happens quite often. Yeah, like, you try to adapt a hit, you know, a hit movie into television. Sometimes it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Well, no, apparently Clueless lasted for three seasons, but I did not watch it. The time that adapting a successful movie into, like, the television format uh, works well is, like, Star Wars. Yeah. The holiday special is fantastic. Oh, very dare you. There is. What is that, Ma? It's just an entire scene of Wookiee speak back and forth. Mala, I don't think that's... Let's ask... Let's ask uh, Itchy. Itchy, what do you think? There's literally no dialogue. It's just growls. Back and forth. <laughs> so bad. Oh. Have we ever gotten through it? Itchy's watching his holographic porn again. I'm serious. <laughs> have, have we ever gotten through it? 
I don't think we have. I've owned it on VHS and now on DVD. And I think the only time I have managed to watch it all the way through was when it first aired in nineteen seventy. I think so. Eight or nine, whenever it was. Yes. I think that we have tried to watch it a couple of times. I think and at, at our first maybe. apartment, we had it on at a party in the background and yes. we didn't even keep it on the whole way through. No. We should do the rest of this episode in Wookiee. No, we should not. I can't. My throat's too sore. <coughs> oh, that sounds like Ray Romano Wookiee. <coughs> so sad. You do have a good point about Star Wars, though. Yes, it has translated into a lot of spin-off television. Yeah. But it's too bad about the TV show for Working Girl. Didn't yeah. work out. But I think Sandy Bullock's fine. Yeah. I think she's doing all right. She's had a career. Melanie Griffith was apparently super unpleasant. Oh, no. Because they had a really hard time casting this. Because they were like, we need someone who has star power, but you could easily overlook them. You know, who can play both sides of this. And uh, so, you know, it was a, a very tough thing to cast. The casting directors were like, no, we absolutely do not want her. Uh-uh. And so her agent arranged for a private screening of her movie, Something Wild, with which was a Jonathan Demme movie mm-hmm. with her and Jeff Daniels yeah. in the lead. And I saw it one time way back in the day, and I remember it being kind of good, but not good enough for us to watch again yeah. on the podcast, because I also remembered Working Girl being pretty good. Yeah. Um, so... Got Jonathan Demme to agree to get a print of the movie to Mike Nichols while Mike Nichols was making Biloxi Blues Mm -hmm. and uh, was like, here, just please just watch this and see if you'll reconsider. And Mike Nichols watched it and was like, yes, yes, absolutely. I want Melanie Griffith for this movie. Mm -hmm. And Melanie Griffith paid back her agent by... When she got back with Don Johnson, firing her agent, because Don Johnson was like, uh, you don't want to be with her. You want to be with me. Trust me. I'll, I'll guide your career. I'll help you out, baby. Oh, and he's really. Here, do all this cocaine. Let's see. What did she do after Working Girl? Uh, I think I remember Pacific Heights. I think. Yeah. With Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Modine. That was like a thriller. It was okay. Yeah, Bonfire of the Vanities, huge flop. Milk Money is an interesting movie. It's about uh, kids that I think hire a prostitute to pose as their mom, mm-hmm. as their dead mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she doesn't really have this crazy big career that I always believed that she did have. Mm-hmm. She's in Nobody's Fool, which was a good movie. Yeah. Because uh, that's like... Paul Newman. Uh, and then she's in Now and Then. Yep. Oh, she's in Lolita. Which is an odd, um, I believe. Odd choice. If I'm not mistaken, she plays uh, Lolita's mom, who is written as kind of a haggard, older, like just nasty, yeah. you know, like yeah. mean woman who you definitely would not put a Melanie Griffith type 
in. Yeah, you know, weird. she's definitely written as more like fierce, plain, and unattractive. Yeah. And uh yeah. But Lolita adaptations are very, very problematic. And the casting of Melanie Griffith is probably I would say very far down the list of issues people can have with adaptations mm-hmm. of Lolita. Uh that is a very anti-pedophile novel uh, written perhaps too satirically yeah. uh, because filmmakers seem to, uh, and unfortunately a lot of reviewers, film reviewers, tend to go, this is such a great story about forbidden romance. It is, it's like, no. yeah, actually, it's a movie about a child predator. So. And uh, I think you missed the point. Yeah. Carly Simon won an Academy Award for her original song, song yeah. that is played throughout the movie. Mike Nichols almost went with an Eagle song instead. Really? Yeah, which I think uh, would have been a, a big mistake. Like, Yeah, for I, sure. Um, and this is kind of sad, too. Carly Simon's limo forgot to pick her up after the um, Oscar ceremony. And she's just kind of waiting on the curb with her statue. Oh and then God. the writer and his wife were like, uh, Carly, do you need a ride? And she was like, yeah, kind of. So they had to give her a ride home. Aww. This is the song that Mike Nichols wanted instead. But then Carly Simon was like, no. Uh huh. Yes. Witchy woman, really? Absolutely not. I feel like Witchy Woman is just another indication that... He had no idea the story he was really telling. Yeah, it it almost seemed... Like, I don't know how this movie happened. There are so many weird issues with the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. you can see how the movie tried, and the fact that it was really successful means it feels weird to me that... Like, were our heads so in the sand that we just did not understand gender politics? Yes. Because, like, the writer guy was even like, you know what gave me the inspiration is I was, like, hanging out in New York and I saw all these women dressed up really nicely from the ankles up. They were wearing gym shoes and socks. And I was like, what's their story? I'm so mad. (laughs) I feel like men still do that shit where they're like, if you're going to wear heels, just wear, like... Well, no, I'm not talking about that specific. No, I know, but thing. I mean, like, I'm it's the, saying, it goes like, down to that, like, it's 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 to that level still, where I think sometimes men think I'm doing such a great job by letting you be my equal. I feel like that inspired the writer in a way where he's like, "Oh, a guy can be dressed up from head to toe and not have to change his shoes at work. Women have to do." a little bit extra to get ahead in the work. I understand what it's like to be a woman. I need to put this down on paper. I've come up with the most excellent idea for a screenplay. Yeah. Let me, a straight white male, tell the story of the working girl. Yeah, also it's working girl. That's why I stress that, yes. I just realized that. I'm like, oh yeah, it's working girl. So I got an idea for uh, a movie. It's called Working Gals. (laughs) Working Gals. Yeah. Working Broads. Yeah. It, it, it certainly won for the time. I think people were like, it's so progressive. You can really see, you know, how 
this woman really, fu- you know, she wants to succeed, so she does. And it's like a success story, you know, for a woman that just works really hard. But it's also like, yeah, but you also had to pit women against each other. She couldn't just be fighting against men. Like, it had to be both. You know, it, it wasn't about women lifting other women up. And yeah. her best friend, Joan Cusack, doesn't even have her back in her personal life. In her personal life, when her boyfriend straight up is sleeping with someone else while yeah, she's... one of their friends. Yes. Doreen. Doreen, yeah. is like sleeping with a friend. Yeah. Like, not even just some random woman. Like, someone that she knows. Yep. And then is like, can't you just get back together with him? And even his story. Get engaged. Like, hey, got a boat. And uh, so I got Doreen a job. Like, I'm the I'm the white male savior for this broad. I hope you find your white male savior too, Tess McGill. She does. Don't worry. Yeah. She's like, I'm working on it. I'm working on Harrison Ford. Yeah. And then he packs her a lunch. What a guy. Yeah. Yeah, totally belittles her. Like, here's an apple for the teacher. There's some like, I thought funny. she was like, oh, she's continuing her education. No, it's for her first day at work. At work. Oh. The movie did not age well. Do you think it's going to make you like that episode of Bob's Burgers, Work Harder, Die Trying Girl, less? No. Because right now it is one of my favorite episodes of Bob's Burgers. No, because I think Bob's Burgers can still um, still has a whole uh, is very aware of the kind of movie that it is. Yeah. Um, so no, it does not. I'm sorry, this was a swing and a miss, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I'm glad I saw it, but I I didn't care for it. Yeah. Everybody was good in it. I it it's the just details that they paid attention to. Like Mike Nichols was like, listen. To the hair and wardrobe, hair and makeup. The ferry ride from where Tess McGill lives to Manhattan or whatever is 20 minutes. You are only allowed to spend 20 minutes on her hair and makeup. Because I want it to be realistic. Oh, oh Lord. It is. <laughs> so, and that hair is haggard. <laughs> that oh. hair looked like. <laughs> Every girl I like had a crush hair. on in 1988. Here's that- here's what that hair looked like. So because uh, you know I'm home on maternity leave, I don't get to take a shower every day. Don't judge me. But my hair, and even less do I get to wash my hair. And it is like the when we're like four or five days in, and my hair is just absolutely foul, and I take it out of the hair tie. That's what that hair looks like. Except I don't have the elegant bangs. That hair is Aquanet. It is so much hairspray. Um, <laughs> I feel like I can smell that hair. Here's one little random thing. Uh, and then I have a couple funny Harrison Ford things about this. Okay. Uh, was able to be shot because of the uh, Wall Street crash. Because oh, this was shot on vacant floors of the World Trade Center. Oh, they had entire floors to have like production offices, sets, and everything. Yeah. And uh, Oliver Platt got to meet Harrison Ford at the premiere and was like, I'm in a movie with Han freaking Solo, is a quote of his, which Aww. I'm just like, okay, Oliver Platt, if I couldn't like you more just because you look like our friend Gordon, I like you <laughs> even more now. He's Except a sweet- I've always liked Oliver Platt. Yeah, he's a sweet angel. Yes. Uh, 
because like me, he was naive thinking, yeah, very rarely do guys sexually harass women. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you sweet baby. Yeah. No. And then um, Nora Dunn, was, who has a couple small scenes in this, mm-hmm. she was talking about how everyone was kind of thrilled to have Harrison Ford there. And she found herself alone, like small talking with them, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then he uh, pulled his dick out. <laughs> yep, funny. And that's the funny anecdote. Is it really? No. Oh, God. Oh, you know, you. They're just talking about the movie where he's like, Yeah, he had to carry Melanie Griffith upstairs. And uh, they, uh, they were worried about me covering her ass. And I was worried about my back because I threw it out on doing a stunt on Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. What are you working on? And she's like, Oh, I'm on Saturday Night Live right now. He's like, oh, I've never seen it. oh my god so i thought that was kind of funny (laughs) but what a butthole well it was really just an opportunity for me to do my harrison ford a little bit more that's actually one of the impressions you can do and not very well it's better than almost all of your impressions i love (laughs) you so much (laughs) All of my impressions range from become... god awful to well, that wasn't terrible. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I. Uh... It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for. Please forgive me for working, girl. I. Uh, it. If anything, this may this movie made me realize how far we've come in thirty years and how much further we need to go, because I yes. still think it's. Fucked up that the other half of the duo of Nichols and May, mm-hmm. Elaine May, got in Hollywood jail for directing the flop Ishtar, which all of the problems with Ishtar are not her fault at all. Mm-hmm. They're the fault of Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman. But because that movie was an expensive flop due to male ego, not her incompetence, mm-hmm. they're like, well, sorry, you don't get to make movies anymore. But John Landis, who literally murdered people on set, yeah. they're like, you should keep making movies and we're all going to love them. Yeah. Yeah. That I uh, uh, We have such a long way to go. On behalf of all men, I would uh, like you to represent all women for a moment. And let me tell you that I am sorry that even though this movie does technically pass the Bechdel test, it is not good. Um, I appreciate your apology and I accept it. Uh, My stomach just growled really loud. And I feel like that was my body rejecting that apology. <laughs> <laughs> or the pizza you ate. Or that, yes. Okay, so you go tell the other gals back in the kitchen. God damn the it. Good God damn it. Yeah. Thanks, I guess. Yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, right. Join us next week when we find out what movie Allison's going to make me watch. And I feel like no matter how bad it's going to be, because odds are it's not going to be great. Wow. Okay. Um, Hurtful. Uh, okay. It probably will be better than Working Girl. So, Allison, until next week, you look like Carly Simon. You look like Carly Simon. Work hard. Mm-hmm. Or die trying, girl. Work hard, you die hard. Work hard. Oh, no, 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 no. Work hard. Yeah. I think that's how it goes. You're a barefoot cop. I'm a barefoot cop.